Hey, welcome to Rhythm Church. We are so excited to have you joining us online today. My name is James Cavalier. I'm the associate pastor here. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, so excited to be sharing with you uh, today, wherever you're watching. We are excited that you've joined us today at our online campus. Want to welcome you guys in from all across the United States to our international friends that are joining us today. Thank you for tuning in uh, to what God is saying today in and through Rhythm Church. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, welcome. Uh, we want to let you know that if you go to our website, MyRhythmChurch.com, we have an, an entire online platform. We've got programs for, uh, for kids' church. We've got worship stuff. If today you're ready to take uh, the next step in your journey of faith, we have a, a next steps card that you can fill out. If that's you want to be baptized, uh, when you're ready to gather again, you want to uh, join a team, you can do that online. We can sign you up to make sure that you are ready to serve when you're ready to come back. If you guys want to give online, today you can do so as well at the website and help move the mission and vision of Rhythm Church forward. We would love to have you partner with us in that today. If you guys have been joining us, uh, you know that we just wrapped up a series called Comeback Season, uh, really kind of celebrating this season that we got to come back and gather again as a church. And we've been studying through the book of Revelation, the seven churches uh, that Jesus speaks to. And then uh, next week, we're starting a new series, as Jeff mentioned, uh, about the rhythms of, of our church, seven rhythms that really make up the vision and direction of Rhythm Church. And this week, we're kind of in an interim. Uh, we're in between series, and Jeff asked uh, about a month ago if I would uh, jump in and teach during this interim period and, uh, and really just share with you kind of what the Lord has on my heart. I asked him several times what he wanted me to teach on, and he's like, hey, man, what, what is alive in you? What do you feel like the Lord has to say to our church right now. And so I really began a, a season of prayer and asking the Lord over the last couple of weeks, what, uh, what would he have me say to you today? In between uh, these, these series and, and getting ready for a fall that um, really is uncertain. We don't know what, what school is going to look like. Maybe you don't know what your job is going to look like. Um, we don't know what church is going to look like. And there's just so much uncertainty in our world right now. Uh, and, and what I really felt welling up was this idea that our world is in a season of of scarcity. Uh, they're in a, in a moment where uh, we're really afraid that we're not going to have enough. We're really afraid that uh, because, because of what's going on that we're going we're gonna to lose so much of what we've had. And, and into that, I felt like the Lord really gave me a, a message to deliver today. So that's what we're going to jump into today. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up to uh, the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 10. If you're new to your Bible, John is in the New Testament section. So on the right side of your Bible, uh, you're looking for the guys' names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the, the stories or the Gospels of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. Um, these are four accounts by Jesus' friends and followers uh, about his life life, about what he did, about what he taught, about who he said he was. And so we're going to jump in today to the Gospel of John in chapter 10. And if you've never read the Gospel of John, it's, it's oriented really different than the rest of the Gospels. Uh, and what it is, is uh, we're looking at some long-form conversations that Jesus has with some really significant characters that represent some really significant institutions in the, in the Jewish world. And so uh, we're going to jump in in John 10 in the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having um, with, these, with this group of individuals called the Pharisees. Uh, they are the religious leaders of the day. They are the people that have held to the Torah, uh, to God's word. They have kept it alive in Israel. 
Israel. Um, and what Jesus is saying is that they've, they've become so legalistic in holding on to the Torah that they've become blind to what God is actually doing in this moment. And so we're going to jump in. But before we do, I just want to pray for us, uh, for our time together, uh, for you as you're, as you're gathered in your home, as you're watching in your car, wherever you are, that the Lord would speak to you today. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we get to gather together, Lord. Thank you uh, for this this season, um, Lord, that you have provided technology to allow all of us, God, to engage in your word all over the place. Wherever we find ourselves today, um, across the United States, across the world, in our homes, in our cars, on a walk, God, wherever we are engaging with your word, Lord, would you speak to us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin transformation in our hearts uh, Lord, to help us to receive from what we need, uh, to receive from you what we need today, Lord. God, you are our supply. You are our life. Help us to hear from you today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bible, we're in John chapter 10. Again, we're in the middle of this conversation. Jesus has just healed a man of spiritual, uh, of blindness, of physical blindness. And then he uh, presents himself to the Pharisees. And they, you know, they're, they're very accusatory. They want to know who, who, how this has happened. Um, and then the man comes back to Jesus and he worships Jesus as the Son of Man, as the Messiah, the Savior. And, that, and then Jesus is going to have this dialogue with the Pharisees about this situation. So John chapter Chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, it says this. He says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Uh, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this as a figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. If you've ever read the Gospel of John, John does this a lot. He kind of inserts himself in the middle of the dialogue to kind of break the fourth wall and tell us what's going on. Uh, so continuing here, Jesus says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, and all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, or have, it, or have abundant life. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks, and the flock, attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? 
Uh, today, uh, as we just kind of jump into this interim message, I just want to speak to you uh, on the topic of overflow, topic of overflow. I was uh, considering this, this message for a, a while and really thinking about this season of life that we're in and thinking about what I felt like God wanted to say to me and what, what he wanted me to deliver to you today. Uh, and, and it was this question that uh, came up out of this passage where Jesus says that he's come to give us life to the full. He's come to give us life in abundance. He's come to give us life overflowing. And the question is, is that your experience of life right now? Is that, is that what's happening in your Christian life right now? Do you feel like you are full? Do you feel like you're overflowing? Because this is the desire of the heart of God. He says that I've come for my believers to live life in abundance, to live life to the fullest. And, and, and I was thinking about this and, and really just examining my own experience right now over the last uh, couple of months and asking myself, am I living out abundance Am I living in the abundant life that Jesus offers me? Or am I abiding in the world? Am I believing that there isn't enough? Am I living in a, in a scarcity mindset that says there's not going to be enough? I can't, I have to hold on tightly to what I have. I have to, I have to grab on everything that I can because eventually it's going to be gone. What Jesus is calling us to do, the, the way that he's inviting us in to live, is, is, is in abundance, is in fullness of who he is. And I think uh, one of the things that, that really stands out to me in this passage is uh, Jesus, he's going he's gonna to lay out some practicalities to what it means to live in abundance. But then he also is going to model for us throughout the gospel of what it, what it looks like to live in abundance. Not only does he teach and tell us how it, how it works, but he shows us and he walks before us. Uh, the, the passage that we, that we kind of founded Rhythm Church around is Matthew uh, 11, and where Jesus talks about, uh, in, in the message, he, talks, he says, watch, watch how I do this. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do this. And we ultimately want our lives to be in view of Jesus so that we can watch how he lives his life and model ours the same way. And I think especially when it comes to this idea of living abundant life, we want to watch and observe how Jesus did this. He is our model of what it looks like to live in abundance. And so I, I want to just encourage you today that God is able to abundantly fill the empty places, and he is able to abundantly meet the needs that you have. And I, I just want to lay before you a couple of, of rhythms or a couple of practices that I believe we see uh, in the life of Jesus that I believe he spells out in this passage that we just read in order to help us live in abundance, to help us uh, uh, live the full life that Jesus is calling us to. And the first thing, I'm going to give them both to you right up the top, and then we'll, we'll kind of circle back and talk through them. But I think the two things that, that lead us to abundant living in Jesus is rest and refill. Rest and refill. I'm a youth pastor, so I alliterate a lot because it helps students remember, but I believe it helps everybody remember. So rest and refill. And the first thing is rest. Um, we know that, that practically we need rest. We need sleep. Um, from the very beginning of the Bible, God orchestrates the world in such a way and creates us in such a way that, that we need to rest. Uh, 
Uh, if you're unfamiliar with kind of the Hebrew tradition of Sabbath, uh, it's, this, it's this day that, that God has set aside, that he calls us to set aside for rest. And the way that Sabbath works in, in the Hebrew mindset is it begins at sunset. So today, when the sun goes down, would begin the new day. And, and what's really interesting about that is that when the sun goes down, it begins the day. So what we actually begin our day with is rest, is sleep is the practical application of rest. And, and I think that that's important because right now, we, in our, in our world, we celebrate busyness um, and we hold up like almost like a mantle that we don't sleep enough, that we get so much done. But the upside-down world that God calls us to live in, the upside-down kingdom that Jesus is inviting us into, celebrates the gift of rest. And says that, says that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into the way that God has orchestrated the world, the way that God has called me to live, and I'm going to begin with rest. So how is your sleep? I know it's an incredibly unspiritual question, but how are you sleeping? Because if I, I, I know this with certainty because of the way that our bodies are made up. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're not well. You're not living your physical life to the fullest because you feel tired, because you feel worn down. And, and, I, and I would lay before you today that maybe the first spiritual step that you can take is the practical reality that you need to sleep more. That Jesus has orchestrated the world in a way to remind you that your body needs physical rest as well as spiritual rest. Now one of the things that I think stands out to me in this passage when it comes to this idea of rest is that rest begins with security. Rest begins with security. Have you ever, uh, maybe you've had this experience, I live in an older house, and so sometimes at night my house makes noises. Uh, I hear a creak, uh, I, I, I hear, you know, like things rustling, whatever, um, but what that does, it, it, so what happens when I'm laying in bed and I hear a creak in the floor, like, Rrr! I immediately start running through my head all of the things that it could be. Right? I ask myself questions. Did I lock the door? Did I close the windows? Was anything left open? Is one of my kids out of bed? My kids can't get out of bed yet because they're in cribs. I feel for you parents of teenagers. But uh, I, I start running all these scenarios in my head about what's happening because my, my, level, my, my, my feeling of safety and my feeling of security has, has vanished because of this noise. And, uh, and so all of these things are happening in my head. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, do I get up out of bed? What do I do? I'm running all of the scenarios and situations in my head. And what I'm not doing in that moment is resting. And what Jesus says in this passage, he says that, uh, that I am the good shepherd, that I am the gate or I am the door. I lay, I, I lay my, I, I, I'm the way that the sheep come in and out. And there's a, a spiritual implication in this passage where Jesus is kind of declaring that he is, he is the way, the door, the gate, not a, not, a, not a door, not a gate, not a way, but the way that we enter in to the people of God, that we enter into the sheepfold of God. He is the way. So there's a, there's a real spiritual implication implication in that statement, but the way that the hearers of this would have also understood it is in a really practical application. So maybe you're not, uh, you know, uh, schooled and steeped in first century Hebrew culture, um, but, and I'm not either, but if you do some study, you can understand these things, which is great, the world that we live in right now. Um, but what, what shepherds would do 
there was two things that they would do at the end of the day. If they were in a town, they would take their sheep to like a communal pen. And that's why Jesus says that the, the gatekeeper will open the door for me. Will open When I come to gather my sheep, he'll open the door for me. And so it's this, there's this practical application that if you're a shepherd in a town, you bring it to this communal sheep pen, and you put all the sheep in, and there's a gatekeeper who protects the sheep, who watches over all of these flocks. And in the morning when you come to gather them, he calls to them and they come out. Now, the other way that shepherds practice uh, at, at the end of the day is what they would do is if they were out in the wilderness somewhere, um, they would build these little, like, essentially like little caves and, what, and the, with one entrance in and one exit out, uh, and they would gather their sheep and put them in this cave, and there was no door. There was no gate to, get in the, to, to protect the sheep from getting out or anything from getting in. And so what the shepherd would do practically is he would lay down in front of that entranceway. He himself would make him, he would make himself the gate or the door to protect the sheep from getting out and protect anything from coming in. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is that he is your gate, that he is your door. More than just, more than just in the spiritual sense that he's the way in, that he's going to let you in and let you out, but he, he is the protection, that he is putting his life in between you and danger. And in order for us to enter into spiritual rest, we have to have that security or that assurance that Jesus is in between us and death, hell, and the grave. That he has laid down his life in front of us to protect us from the things that want to pull us away from him. From the things that want to hurt us. We, we have to be assured that our, that our eternal safety and our eternal security is in Jesus in order to experience deep soul rest that God invites us into. And I absolutely believe that without rest, we cannot live in abundance. In the same way that we understand that physically, without rest, you cannot perform to the best that you can. Without rest, you cannot give everything you have. Without rest, you are not full of the energy necessary you, that, you, that you will need to accomplish abundant living. The same is true in our spiritual life. Without soul rest, without soul security, that you are safe in Jesus, that he has put himself between you and eternal danger you will not find soul rest. And without it, we won't find abundant life in Jesus that he's inviting us into. So do you know that? Do you know that Jesus is the gate? He's the way. He's opened a way for you to be a part of the people of God. But not only that, he has laid his life in between you and the danger. He is your security. He is your protector. He will fight on your behalf. Let that inspire rest. Let that, let that encourage you to know that whatever noise you hear, the shepherd is in between you and the danger. The good shepherd who lays down his life for his flock, for his sheep, for his people, is in between you and the danger. The second thing that I think uh, helps us to live in abundance is this idea of refill. This idea of refill. Maybe you've been staring at this for a while and you're like, what's he going to do? What's the illustration? We're going to get there. But it's a little bit about refill. Uh, refill, having, having free refills is something we're so accustomed with in the United States, right? Everywhere you go, like it's, a lot of it's self-serve. You get as much as you want. And, and so this idea of free refills uh, has, has permeated our culture. I remember the first time I got to go visit Europe uh, on, a, on a missions trip and, uh, and they didn't offer free refills. 
I ordered a second drink and, and it came on my bill. And I was like, whoa, I thought this was, this was free. I thought that I could have as much as I want. And I've become accustomed to that. And what uh, I, I think what that idea has given me is that I can always go back and go back and go back uh, for, for more. And it wasn't until it wasn't available to me that I really began to appreciate what it was. But what's true about the, the character or the spirit of God is that it's always available to us for refill. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says this. It says, do not be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that, what we, that in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we ask we ask to be refilled. We ask to, we, we invite the Lord to, to fill us back up. And that looks different for a lot of us. Like what we see modeled in Jesus is that he gets up early in the morning and he gets away to a quiet place and he prays and he's refilled in order to accomplish his purpose. He rests, then he gets with the Lord to be refilled, and then he goes out to accomplish his purpose. That's the pattern or the rhythm that we see in Jesus' life. So what refills you? What, what is it that, that brings your spirit back to, a, back to a level of fullness such that you are overflowing? I think one of the things that stands out to me in this idea of refill is the practice of gratitude, is the, is the practice of remembering who God is, of what he's done, what he's done for you, what he's brought you out of, and that should inspire you to be filled up. 269 times the scripture says, remember. Remember. It's a powerful tool to remember who God is, to remember what he's done, to practice gratitude. Uh, those with a grateful mindset tend to see the message in the mess. Those with a grateful mindset tend to see the message in the mess. You see, when we are practicing refill, we can look at our situation and thank God that he's with us in it. That we can acknowledge that it's a mess, but that there is, there is life in the middle of it. And we practice that gratitude and it begins to fill up our spirit. It begins to remind us who God is, what he's capable of, what he has done, and what he has promised to do. It is important to remind ourselves over and over how God has provided in the past because it is an indicator of how he will provide in the future. You see, we're, we're human. We fail to remember what God has done all the time. We have this propensity to forget immediately how good God has been. And so as we practice refill, as we practice rest, we remind ourselves of who God is and of what he's done in order to fill us up to accomplish the purpose that God has laid out before us. So what refills you? Is it getting up early, getting alone with the Lord in the word? Then do that. Is it sitting at the beach? Is it going for a walk? Is it listening to a podcast? Is it, is it turning on a sermon? Do that. I just want to set you free this morning or whenever you're watching this today uh, that this message isn't, it isn't an opportunity for you to feel guilt and shame. That's not what conviction is about. Conviction is an invitation to live more abundantly, to step more into the life that Jesus is calling you. Because what the Holy Spirit is doing in you right now is he's bringing things to your mind, as he's reminding you of things that, that are getting in the ways. He wants them to, to fall by the wayside so that you would step more into the abundant life that Jesus is calling you into. 
So if you're experiencing conviction, it is not God's desire that you would feel shame or guilt. It's like a good dad, and he's encouraging you, and he's inviting you. He's got, I've got better for you. I've got more for you. Would you let go of these things that aren't giving you life? Would you set aside the things that are pulling you away from the real full life that I'm calling you into? And that is what conviction's about. It isn't about guilt or shame. I don't want you to feel guilty because you don't like to get up at five in the morning. I don't like to get up at five in the morning, okay? But, but you have to find a time to set aside space to be with the Lord, to rest with him, to know he's your security, and to let him refill who you are as you come back to him with gratitude because of who he's been. And so what's with this? You've been wondering the whole time, right? So the Bible tells us that when we receive Jesus, we receive his Holy Spirit. And it comes into our life. Never to leave us or forsake us. That he provides us, that, that we begin to be renewed inwardly day by day by day. So what does it look like to live, to, to remain in Jesus as he calls us, to live abundant life? Because what this is, is, is this is so much of our Christian life. So much of our Christian life, we don't feel the fullness of who God is because, and we recognize that we've received his spirit. We recognize that we've trusted in Jesus, but we're not putting practice into those things. We're not making them work. We're not, we're, not, we're not practically resting in him. We're not practically seeking him for Rifa. But we've got the spirit. We know that this is the way that our life is supposed to be led. But so much of it doesn't feel full. So we put these things into practice. We put these rhythms into practice. You find rest. You remind yourself that Jesus is my security. Jesus is between me and danger. And I rest in him. Then I find patterns for refill. I find opportunity to spend time with the Lord. I learn who he's created me to be and how he fills me up. Maybe that's on a mountain, in a, on a hike. Maybe that's in the ocean catching waves. Maybe that's sitting at home reading my Bible. Maybe that's on a run listening to a podcast. Whatever it is that refills you, that, that gives you that time with the Lord, would you, would you spend it with him? And as I figure that out, it fills me up more and more and more until I, become, I come to this place where I am full. Here's what's true about abundant, full living. When your life looks like this, it is difficult to walk around and not spill over. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try not to get it on my Bible, but this cup is very full. I don't know how well you can see this. I'm going to put a little bit more in this. It is difficult to live, a f to be full, abundant living in Jesus and not spill over. Maybe you've been around a brother or sister like this, that everywhere they go, there are spiritual conversations. Everywhere they go, they're bumping into people and, and spilling over the goodness, the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's not because of their personality. It's not because of the way they're wired. It's because they are full of the Holy Spirit. It's because they have put into practice this abundant living in Jesus. And we have the same opportunity. We have the same option. We have the same choices to make. We have the same chance to fill our lives with Jesus that we might make an impact. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to live a half-full Christian life. 
I don't want to just have my eternal security in Jesus. He's punched my ticket. I get to be with him forever. But in this life, I just feel empty and, and, and ineffective. I want to make an impact. I want to overflow. I want to be full of the life that Jesus promises me now. Not just eternity with him. But right now, as I rest in him, as I find practical ways to fill my cup by spending time with the Lord, by inviting him, saying, God, fill me up with your spirit. Give me a fresh filling of who you are. Give me your character. Transform me into the person that you've created me to be so that I might overflow to the people around me. So that everywhere I go, it would be difficult for me not to spill out your goodness, your love, your mercy, and your grace. It wouldn't be an effort. But because I'm full Everywhere I go spills over. What if we were that kind of church? What if you were that kind of Christian? How much of a difference do you think it would make in your family? How much of a difference do you think it would make in your workplace, on your Zoom calls, in your classrooms, on your teams? How much of a difference would it make if you were full everywhere that you went that the goodness and love and mercy of Jesus Christ just overflowed in you. That as Jesus promises, springs of living water were flowing out of you. Church, you have the opportunity. And this isn't about guilt or shame, but it's an invitation to live full, abundant life in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for a reminder, God, that you came not only to rescue us eternally, but give us full life now. God, help us to begin to surrender to you, to begin to rest in you, to know that we are secure and safe in who you are and what you've done. God, help us to find rhythms that refill us, that we might overflow onto the people that you desperately want to reach and rescue. God, thank you that you've saved us that you've rescued us, that we are full of your love, your grace, and your mercy. Father, I pray right now against any kind of spirit of condemnation that my brothers and sisters would hear, God, but they would hear your spirit inviting them into life. God, you are good to us. We love you. We thank you that you loved us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, church. We love you. Be blessed.